Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Well, thank you again for being here today. Thank you for being part of our series, Come and See What God Has Done. Uh, if you're brand new, my name's Danny. I'm one of the pastors, and I'm really, really, really excited that you chose this kind of weekend to be a part. Today we're talking about, uh, the whole series we're talking about gratefulness, but today we're talking about being grateful for our struggles. And I think as Christians, we should talk about this like within the first week that someone comes to Christ. Because every time I've led someone to Christ, every time I've met someone who's just come to Christ, the thing that they're always so surprised about is that right after they come to Christ, within a few weeks or a few months, they face some kind of immense struggle some kind of immense difficulty. And they're like, I just met the living God and he knows my name and I'm, 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 I have a relationship with him and now my whole life fell apart. And so often it, it, it really seems to at least feel that way because when you come to God, when you try to live in his uh, harmony, live out his shalom, right, his peace, his connectedness, you automatically tear yourself from this world's harmony. This world's rhythm, this world's cadence, you start kind of walking off beat and thinking off beat and behaving off beat, and people don't know what to do with you because you don't laugh at the same things and you don't like the same things, and, and life becomes a bit of a struggle. This is just our reality. This is just our truth, but I think if you really take a step back and look at it, you can find that there is immense gratefulness within it. There's a great picture of this that lies within the story of a man named Jacob in the Bible. From the very beginning, the first time we meet Jacob, we meet uh, him battling and struggling within the womb of his mother. It actually says that very specifically. Verse 24 of, uh, sorry, verse 21 of chapter 25, it says, And Isaac, that's Jacob's father, prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children, listen to this, struggled together within her. And she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So many women in their third trimester have asked that same question. I know my wife did. So she went to inquire of the Lord. Why are these children fighting within me? What is happening? And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be the stronger and the other, the older, shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, listen to this, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. We've all had those kids. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, listen, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. He was hanging on. He was like, I want to be firstborn because, see, to be firstborn means you get a double portion of your father's blessing. And even from the beginning, Jacob wants to be firstborn. And so his brother and him, this is just a precursor to their whole childhood, their whole adolescence. They just battle all through their adolescence. His brother Esau became a hunter, and his father loved this about him. He was epic at it. He would bring back this incredible game no one else could get, and they would make delicious stew, and his father loved him, and it even said was his favorite. It says that Jacob was a man who lived in tents. 
He was a man who did a lot of laundry. That's all it means, right? He was a man who just, he was clean, he was kept, he was orderly. It says he was a quiet man. He was a watchful man, but he was a man that never forgot that it was him who was so close to that, that first birthright. It was a man who always hung on inside. And so one day it says that perhaps, his, I, we don't know for sure, but his brother came in from the field and was starving. He was famished. So maybe he got caught in a storm. Maybe he, he hurt himself and barely made it back to the camp. But whatever happened, it was just Jacob and his brother, and his brother's famished, and he's like, please, won't you give me some of that stew? And Jacob, stirring the stew, sees his opportunity because he's still hanging on. And he's like, I'll give you some of this stew in exchange for your birthright. And Esau wants to live. Esau, he, 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 he wants what is in front of him right now. And he says, I don't care about the birthright. Just give me the stew. So Jacob gives him the stew. And Jacob becomes, in a sense, firstborn. But there's still the issue of dad. See, dad is the one who blesses the firstborn, and dad is the one who loves Esau. And so Jacob tells his mother of the deal that him and Esau made. And yet also Esau, after he's full and, 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 and recovered, realizes, I'm not giving you my, my, my blessing for some stew. What was I thinking? And so he decides that he's not going to honor the arrangement. And so eventually, sure enough, his father Isaac, who is now blind and quite old, calls Esau in, and he says, Esau... My days are short. I want some of your delicious stew. Won't you go into the field and hunt for me? Bring me back the stew and I will give you my blessing. And Esau says, quietly, yes, I will. And he disappears. But the mother, Rebecca, heard this arrangement and she goes to Jacob and she says, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to kill a goat and we're going to make some stew and you're going to go in and pretend to be your brother and you're going to get that blessing that you made a deal for. And Jacob says, yes, I'll do it, but my brother's so hairy. It's a true story. And his mother goes, he is pretty hairy. Let's take the fur of this goat, put it on your neck, put it on your arms, so in case your blind father feels, which means Esau felt like a goat. And that's, that's, that's a really hairy guy. But I mean, to each their own. I'm just saying, you might want to manicure that up a little bit, but... Apparently not. So, so he goes in with the stew to his father, and he says, Father, I'm here for the blessing. It's me, Esau. And his father goes, you don't sound like Esau. You sound like Jacob. Get over here. And he gets him and, you know, apparently pets him, you know, like, yep, you do feel like Esau, right? And so he blesses him, gives him the blessing, and Jacob leaves with the blessing. He leaves with a double portion. Well, when Esau eventually comes back a day or so later, says, Father, I'm here with stew. I I'm here for my blessing. He suddenly realizes that his father has given the blessing away, and so he threatens immediately to kill his brother, to end his life. And so his brother gathers just a few things and escapes in the night. This man is a man of struggle. This man is a man uh, who, who is always still hanging on. And the reality is, you, when you hear stories like this, if you're not careful, you'll distance yourself from the story and be like, well, that's, I'm not a twin, and that's kind of weird and kind of rare. But the reality is, we are all born in struggle. We are all born in need. As a matter of fact, Genesis, uh, Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. We are all born sinful. We are all born hanging on. We are all born deceiving. 
Now, you may not have this exact story, but the truth is when I talk to you about being grateful for your struggle, you can't just say, well, I'm grateful for the grind. I'm grateful that I get up and go to work. It's hard. No, I'm not talking about that kind of struggle. I'm talking about the kind of struggle Jacob is dealing with, that struggle inside you that says, I got to be first. I got to be the only. I got to be the most important. I got to be center. It's that struggle when you get around people that think they're just a little bit better than you, where you wait for the right opportunity to minimize them and maximize yourself. See, now we're talking struggle. Someone says something that makes you appear small, and then you sit there and don't say anything at all, and you just receive it because you know who God is in your life. Those people are few and far between. Most people are like Jacob. Somebody comes and says, I got a deal. This is what you do. Kill this, cover that, move forward. You'll end up blessed and better than you were. Man, I'm taking that deal because I'm the center of me. This is the kind of struggle that Jacob is dealing with, this internal struggle that we are all born in. Eventually, Jacob goes on the run. He comes to the home of a man that has a farm, and Jacob knows farming, And so he begins to work for the man, and Jacob falls in love with one of the men's daughters. And he says to the man, I want to marry this daughter. And the man says, well, I have another daughter who's older, but she's not the one you want. What about her? And he goes, no, 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 I want to marry this daughter. And the man says, okay, this is culture. Listen, you work for me seven years, and I will give you this daughter. And and Jacob says, okay. But this man is more conniving than Jacob. This man is more deceitful than Jacob. This is actually Jacob working for himself. And so he works the seven years, and when time comes for the wedding, we think Jacob probably drank just a little too much, and all we know is that the next morning he woke up with not the sister he thought. Yeah, that'd be frustrating. Like, that's a a bummer. We all have rough wedding stories, but that particular one might take the cake. So he goes back to this, uh, this, this father, and he's like, what have you done? And he's like, listen... She's already yours now. And he says, but I really am in love with this this woman. And he says, that's no problem. That's no problem. Here's the thing. You work another seven years, you could have this daughter too. And Jacob's like, okay. 14 years he gets tricked into working for this man. He has children. He grows in wealth. He eventually grows in livestock because a percentage belongs to him. But this man continues to deceive him. And so after a while, he runs away with his family, with his household, with everybody. Once again, hanging on to this idea that God promises to use him to do something great. He deceives, he lies, he becomes dangerous out into the wild. Some people would say that he was ruthless. Some people would say that he uh, functioned in such a way that he was like a con artist and a manipulator, going from town to town to town, continuing to hang on in the midst of the struggle, just like he did when he was a little boy hanging on to his brother. See, Jacob's running in both instances because he was exposed. He was exposed to his brother by his father, who now knew that he had stole his birthright. He was exposed to his father-in-law when once the the wealth grew, his father-in-law got jealous, he had to leave. He continues to run every single time he's exposed. He continues to run. And this is is a truth, uh, just a truth of all kinds uh, of people and how they live because being exposed is most people's greatest fear. Being exposed is most people's greatest fear. Vulnerability is worse than death to many. 
And the way you know about it is because in general, people only talk about the struggles they've overcome, not the struggles they're generally dealing with right then. That's how you know. Pastors are terrible at this. You know, one time in college, I wrestled with anger. I remember when I was 19, I had like a week of difficult lust. I pushed through that, though. You should be like me. People who lusted on the way into church are like, man, I just, I just don't know how I'm ever going to do this. People who were angry yesterday or know they're going to be angry later today, that we just don't wrestle with what we're currently dealing with. We only wrestle with what we used to deal with so that we can appear to be better than the people that we think appear to be better than us. We hang on. We endure. We suffer because we are the center of our own world. It's very rare to hear someone admit my stuff is still present and my story is still messy. So I just put it up on the screen so that you could hear it from me first. I'm not talking about somebody else. I don't know your inner life. I know my inner life. I know that I'm only about halfway through my therapeutic journey. Did you know that? Halfway. I've been doing this thing three and a half years. How messed up am I? (laughs) I just figured that out the other day. I was like, wait a minute. I've got three and a half, four more years of this stuff? But I want to be honest with who I am. I want to be honest with my struggles and my story. And the only way I can do that is to proclaim it as real and alive and be authentic about it. This allows me to face my fears, which is exactly what Jacob's about to do next. Eventually, he's running from his father-in-law, wives and and, uh, wealth in tow. He's running from his, uh, his brother, who's now massed a small army to find him, and he's lost and alone and by himself. One day, his brother actually finds him. They see each other far, far across the field, this Jacob that is famous now throughout the land for being a corrupter. As a matter of fact, you may not know this, but the name Jacob actually means deceiver and more literally grabber. There's the grabber. (laughs) grabber of my heel, grabber of my birthright, right? Grabber of, of things and stuff and life. There's the grabber. And he's facing all of his fears and he's facing all of his trials. And now the time has come, this pivotal point in his life when after many years he is about to meet his brother who has vowed to kill him. All Jacob's struggles and fears are about to be realized. And in one last effort (laughs) to manipulate his way out of the situation, Jacob concocted a bribe and sent a caravan of gifts along with his women and children across the river in hopes of pacifying his brother. If you're going to kill anybody, kill them. See, when you're the center of your own world, when you don't put emotional health or your struggles in, in, in front of you and you don't deal with those, what you're really saying is, I'm the most important thing in this story and everybody else can just, can just go. No matter how much you love this, the children that God has given you or the spouse that God has given you or the work or the life, if you aren't willing to face the stuff inside your life, inside your story, then what you're saying is, I'm the most important thing. Everybody else can be sacrificed because I've got to keep me safe. It's like, it's like counseling 101 to feel safe. 
to feel like you have someone you can share with the stuff that you don't share with anybody else. Because till you do that, until you're authentic, until you can be real, until you can share even with God himself who and what you are, then you will never have your needs met. You will never be able to be relieved of those burdens and you will make decisions like this man made. There's my brother, the one who wants to kill me, send everything I have to him. Maybe this will pacify his need for blood. Maybe this will pacify his need for vengeance. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Now physically exhausted, alone in the desert wilderness, facing sure death, he's divested of all his worldly possessions. Jacob the grabber has nothing left to grab. He's powerless to control his fate. He collapses into a deep sleep on the banks of the river. And then a man walks in to his tent. Genesis 32, verse 24, and Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, this man that he's wrestling with, you can go back, this man that's wrestling with him, we know from the story is God. It's, it's, it's God's presence. It's, it's, it's uh, very likely Jesus himself wrestling with Jacob. And there's a beautiful picture here of this man who grabs and this man who holds and this man who's brought so much damage to his own life because of the way that he has behaved, who thinks by this point, I'm worthless, I'm, I'm, I've, I've sent my family off, everything I've done because of my grabbing, everything I've done because of my holding has brought damage to my life. There is no beauty in this wrestling. There is no beauty in, in my world. And now even this man's coming to take my very life because I'm alone here in the wilderness. Jacob wrestles with this man, but eventually he realizes who this man is. And the story continues, and I love it. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. So the man, who is God, wrestles with Jacob in such a way that as long as Jacob continues to wrestle, the man continues to wrestle. But eventually, the man wants to be free, so he, ha he won't allow himself to overcome Jacob because we've done this before, right? God is a respecter of weight classes. If you send a three-year-old child up here to wrestle with me, I'm going to be like, oh no, you're awesome, we're wrestling. Like, I'm going to wrestle to the age of the child. You send a full-grown man up here, it's going to be different. You send my mom up here, it's going down, okay? That's all... <laughs> My mom and I wrestled till I was 25. That's all I'm saying is. And then she hurt me and I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. The, the reality is God is wrestling with Jacob within his weight class and he's teaching Jacob and he's showing Jacob that you will not overcome me, but you will not be overcome. You have to give in to me. And so the man finally touches his hip. He wounds him. But Jacob, through all of this suffering, right, through all of this pain through all this heartache what is one thing Jacob does well he holds on he learned to hold on all these dangerous things all these painful things he learned to hold on to hold tight and so he holds on to this man that he now knows is God and he's like oh no you're not leaving without blessing me now, God could have snapped his fingers and peeled him off, but I think God's pretty good at teaching lessons. He gives Jacob that hip socket tear, and Jacob still holds on, and God's like, now he knows. Now he knows. See, all this time, Jacob thought he was running from God, but really, God was just teaching Jacob. He needed him to be a person who held on. He needed him to be a person that, that realized his deceptiveness was going to bring damage into his life. And without God being the center of his story, 
without God being the center of his power, then he would always be alone. He would always be running. And so he says, stop holding on to you, Jacob. Hold on to me and listen to how the story goes. Then he said, let go for the day has broken. That's what God said to Jacob. Let go. I love that. But Jacob said, I'm not letting you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, my name is Jacob. Then he said, your name's no longer Jacob. You're no longer the grabber. Your name shall be no longer that, but your name shall be Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. Jacob receives this blessing, but the limp remains. The next morning, he decides to face his brother in hopes that he can take back this mistake he's made. And sure enough, as he crosses the river and limps up over the, the, the horizon, he sees his whole family safe. He sees his brother waiting tearfully for him. They are reunited and he apologizes. And there is restoration and there is healing, but that limp never goes away. Jacob is now a man who holds on to faith. He's now a man who holds on to belief. He's now a man who holds on to this reality that God can defeat you in a magnificent way and bring incredible blessings into your life if you can only realize that it's inside your trials, inside your tr struggles, and being thankful for them that his blessings wait. Frederick Buchner says, characterizes Jacob's divine encounter as the magnificent defeat of the human soul at the hands of God. It is in Jacob's story that we can easily recognize our own elements of struggle, fears, darkness, loneliness, vulnerabilities, empty feelings of powerlessness, exhaustion, relentless pain, when life doesn't go as planned. God says, I will enter into your story and use the very thing that damaged you. You're holding on, you're grasping to bless you. In the end, Jacob does exactly what we all must do. He confronts his failures, his weaknesses, his sins, and all the things that are hurting him. He faces his mess. Not the mess he overcame, but the mess he was in. He limps forward, marked by God, marked by the struggle. Grateful. Grateful for the limp because God could have taken his life. Every step, every pain reminds him he's alive as he marches towards his brother to authentically receive restoration. Always within our life, real growth experiences always involve struggle and pain. Always, 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 always. This is how it works. Many years later, Jacob's sons have turned into the nation of Israel. Jacob, who from then on went as the name Israel. Jacob's sons have turned into the nation of Israel, but they've come under bondage. There's Another man out in the desert by the name of Moses, and God comes to that man in a fire, and he says to that man, I want you to go to my children, the children of Israel, and I want you to free them. And that man says to God, but who shall I say is sending me? And then he asks the same question Jacob asked. What is your name? Listen to this verse and tie it into what we just said. Exodus 3, verse 13. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, he answered Moses' question, unlike he answered Jacob, say to them, I am who I am. And he said, say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And then he says this. 
He says, you want to know who I am? You want to know what kind of God I am? You want to know what I do and how I serve and, and the way that I see my children? This is what he says. And then he says this. God also said to Moses, listen, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, and then he lists them. Pay attention. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and he should say right here, the God of Israel. The renamed version of Jacob, the blessed version of Jacob. But instead he says, and the God of Jacob has sent me. God says, you want to know who I am? I'm the God of the grabbers. I'm the God of the holder honors. I'm the God of the deceivers. I'm the God of the manipulators. I'm the God of the dark side and the light side. I am the God of both your magnificent victories and your magnificent struggles. I'm that God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, you're so worried about not being authentic with your struggles because you think people are going to judge you. But in reality, God has already judged you. It's just through Jesus Christ that you're still able even to limp through this life. So why not just accept it? Why not be grateful for the struggles, grateful for the victories, grateful for the defeats, grateful for the hope, grateful for the darkness, grateful for the confusion? Why not be grateful for what you don't know? Because the God you do know is going to use it to bless you. Jacob was gifted at grabbing, and he held on to God tight when no one else could have. Your struggles could be your greatest assets if you would just stop and look at them. This is what I'm supposed to share with you today. This entire sermon culminated in something I couldn't even coordinate. I was wrapping up the message, and uh, I saw on Facebook that a friend of mine, uh, his name's Justin. Justin uh, had a baby, beautiful baby, with his wife. This is, uh, uh, this is uh, I think, their third child, fourth child? Fourth? I can't see. It's their ninth child. They've had a lot of children. Um, uh, and and this, this child was born with complications. And uh, a whole host of complications. He, he had Down syndrome. He had some intestinal issues. He had all kinds of things that meant they couldn't hold their child like they'd want to because of all these surgeries. And so I did what I do as a pastor, and I text him. This is what I said. Bro. That's how I start off things because I'm cool and hip. Bro. <laughs> Praying for you and the family. Please let us know if you need anything at all. You guys are so loved, and I'm really excited to meet your new son. Now, I know a typical response from a family that's dealing with, with any kind of issues, let alone medical issues with a child. And it's usually like, thank you so much. We're pretty overwhelmed. We don't know what to do. This is, I mean, all the normal feelings you would experience. And normally they don't reply right away. It takes a couple days. But within just a few moments, Justin replies, and this is his text. Thanks, Danny. You should be excited. He is pretty awesome. That prompted a phone call for me. And I asked him, how are you? And he said, I'm thankful. My son's alive. And he's beautiful. And God is in this. And then they sent me and posted on Facebook this video. I love you. Huh? Hi, baby. I love you. Yeah. I know it's so different than what you're used to. I'm sorry, it's gonna get better. It's gonna get better. You'll get better. You just need to rest and sleep and let your body heal. Yeah. I love you, sweetheart. I love you so much. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. 
That is the face of a beautiful struggle, a wonderful challenge. That's a little boy who's loved just as he is by a father who, by the way, came to church today. How much more does your father love you inside your struggle? All you're supposed to do is lay there. Lift up your arms and receive his love. Right where you are, forgiven, restored. Your life is so precious to him. I hope you feel that today. Like you felt the love being poured over Ezra, the little boy in that video. I want to give us some time to reflect in gratefulness for the struggles God has given us today, for this day, right now. And just before I do, I want to pray for Ezra as a church that God would just have his hand upon the entire situation. So Lord, we just come before you right now. We recognize you are the writer of all stories. You are the creator of all children. You're the maker of all memories. And so God, we ask right now that there would be many, many memories of Ezra to come that his special life would bless beyond anyone's expectations, that you would just lift up his family, you would lift up their story, you would lift up the situation, and God, you would use it to bless other people like it's blessing people here now. May we find gratefulness within our struggles, Lord, as you teach us how to see the way you're working within them. We thank you. Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. You think this is just another day in your life? It's not just another day. It's the one day that is given to you. Today, it's a gift. It's the only gift that you have right now. And the only appropriate response is gratefulness. If you learn to respond as if it were the first day in your life and the very last day, then you will have spent this day very well. Begin by opening your eyes and be surprised that you have eyes you can open. that incredible array of colors that is constantly offered to us for pure enjoyment. Look at the sky. We so rarely look at the sky. We so rarely note how Different it is from moment to moment with clouds coming and going. 
Open your eyes, look at that. Look at the faces of people whom you meet. Each one has an incredible story behind their face. Not only their own story, but the story of their ancestors. All that life from generations and from so many places all over the world flows together and meets you here like a life-giving water if you only open your heart and drink. Open your heart to the incredible gifts that civilization gives to us. You flip a switch and there is electric light. Turn a faucet and there is warm water and cold water. And drinkable water. A gift that millions and millions in the world uh, will never experience. And so I wish you that you will open your heart to all these blessings and let them flow through you. That everyone whom you will meet on this day will be blessed by you, just by your presence. Let the gratefulness overflow into blessing all around you. And then it will really be a good day.